What's going on, everybody? Year two, episode 14 of Pat's Interference. And this is a big one. Alabama and Tennessee playing in the most anticipated matchup of this rivalry in a decade. Patrick and I have a preview on that. Plus, we recap the Tides win over Arkansas last week. This is Pat's Interference. We got a lot to do tonight. Let's get working. Well, hey there, everybody. It's officially Tennessee Hate Week in Alabama land. I'm Patrick Brickman. He's Patrick Norwood. You're listening to Pat's Interference, the official most listened to podcast in the <laughs> world. Number one. It you guys is. helped us get there. If we if we yeah. had enough money to buy an applause track, that this is where we'd be playing it right now. How you but doing, buddy? With, I mean, by being the number one podcast in the world, we can't be wasting our time on things like applause tracks no because it applause when you're the number one podcast in the world applause is is understood it's expected you know it's, yeah. it's under you don't have to say it it's there people applaud alabama, the entire time they listen to us alabama beats arkansas 49 30 break you've broken this down into two sections the good and the bad you and i are going to knock these off pretty quick so i really want to get to the tennessee game but go ahead we'll take them one item by one you take the first item on the good list. I didn't really sort it into a way that flows well, but yeah, so the game kind of, Alabama started amazing on both sides of the ball. They jumped out right. to a 35-10 to 10 lead before halftime. We're running the ball down their throats. I'm thinking we're about to have 400 yards rushing on these guys. I mean, Jacobs is busting long runs. Harris is busting long runs. Um, very For a team that has not started well offensively, I was very happy to see Alabama start offensively dominant the way they did on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, and as you mentioned that, uh, one of the next things on here uh, is make us three picks. Um, you know, I, I know they were kind of picking on them all game. Minka really stepped up and responded. And against a team like Tennessee and sort of the rest of our schedule with Trevor Knight and Texas A&M, that's something he's going to have to do week in and week out. Oh, yeah. Um, and he had a big game against A&M last year, remember, too. He did. Um, now, running the ball, we had 264 total yards rushing. We had a 7.8 yards per rush. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to apologize. If you hear crashing during this podcast, it's because we've got three cats that just decide they need to run around and jump on everything every night. So Number one podcast in the world. We number one podcast want. in the world. That's what, you know, we got two kittens and a big cat running around everywhere. Anyway, how you doing? You 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 sound uh, under the weather. You feeling all right? I'm 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 yeah. I'm tough. I'm I'm, I'm doing I'm doing pretty tough right Jordan now. Short flu game. But this is what this is. We're gonna get through it. We're gonna right, get we'll through get it. We'll get back to uh, football. No more kittens. No more sickness. Um. So we talked about yeah. the rushing. The rushing was great. Uh, and with that came some bad that we'll get into in a minute. Defense scored two touchdowns. You mentioned Minka with uh, the pick. One of those was. And I want you to specifically talk about this play, his touchdown, because I gotta imagine that is a. Uh, that's that's a special moment for you, seeing Minka pick off the ball, and then Eddie Jackson point at Minka, going, "Hey, we yes. got room," and then those two lead yes. the charge down the field. And it reminds me the of block. like when you get a brand new puppy and you're trying to like teach it how to walk on a leash, and the puppy's like, "Yeah, I don't really want to do this," and you just keep pulling and pulling until they start coming with you. That's what it looked like. <laughs> like it looked like everything in Minka's mind was like, "Just go down, just go down, just go down in the end zone." And Eddie like pulls on his jersey and then just starts waving his arm like, "Come on, come on, come on, come on." And I love Eddie Jackson. That's one of the many reasons. But and then he, I, then he lays out uh, I for thought a that block. was great. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Threw a, threw a big block on the quarterback, which is 
it has to be done very delicately now, which we're not going to get into this podcast because there's not enough time. Apparently but not if you look at uh, what what Arkansas did to our quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, let's get into our quarterback a little bit. Jalen Hurts, 13 for 17, 253 yards, two touchdowns in the air, two on the ground. Brick, you talked about that a little bit. The uh, I, I'm assuming you're talking about the face mask. Well, the face mask was the, on one of the touchdowns. I'm talking about when he got hit and the ball was intercepted in the uh, second half of that game. Have you seen the clip of the Arkansas yeah, player yeah, yeah, yeah. pinning You're him right. by his neck had, to the ground? Yes. Now, now that you mentioned that, yeah, yucky, yeah, all around. I, if, I, I was proud of him for not standing up and starting the swing, though. Yeah. See, then that that's one of the things that kind. Of, it also goes into his play. A very efficient game, aside from the interception, which wasn't his fault. He got hit on it, but. Um, it was a very efficient game from him, and it, every yeah. game you just see it. He he gets better. He gets more comfortable. And the fact that we started off so strongly, plus he only had to throw the ball seventeen times in this game, that's actually the kind of quarterbacking I want to see. I don't want to see Hurts throw thirty-five. I, I'm fine with between seventeen and twenty-five throws a game. That's that's about his wheelhouse. I'm good with that, and that means we run the ball more too. So, well, I'm yeah, really no, good you're good with that for sure. Um, they did not run the ball on us, only 73 rushing yards. That's part of the good category. And then our Darius Stewart was also very good. He had 120 reception yards on five catches. Continues to really um, shoulder the load when he's in there uh, through the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, our Darius Stewart had that one play where he almost didn't get the first down because he ran backwards. Other than that, he had a great game. And the fumble um, that we'll get into in a minute. Well, but you're, you're right. You're right, but that fumble, it kind of reminded me of Mark Ingram. Oof. Mark Ingram's fumble against Auburn in 2010. Um, let's not talk about that too long. Uh, defense we've talked about a lot. You put four for eight on third down. Third down's been something that this team's really improved on from last season. Oh, yeah. Huge. 50% is always good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, now let's sort of get into the negative. Anything more positive you want to get into? Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, no. I mean, it was... It was a good, solid game, you know, Arkansas being number 16, beating an SEC road team. It's hard to pick too much apart because I honestly would have also been happy with a, with a you know, a, a 35-34 win had it come to that. You just kind of want to escape an SEC road game with a victory. Um, this was a good game. I'm not going to harp too much, but we do have some negative to get into. Yeah, yeah. A uh, lot of yards through the air given up. 400 yards through the air to be exact. Secondary looked kind of lost. I don't know if it was just coverage calls or what. Brick, what what did you see from the secondary, and is this something to be concerned about going into these next few weeks? They had some busted coverages. A lot of it was mental, and some of it was Hatcher, the the top target at Arkansas, just making some really nice grabs. But um, a lot of it was just uh, the the sprinkle touchdown. Kyle texts me after he scores like a thirty eight yard touchdown. He goes, "We just let a dude named Sprinkle store score on us." Um, yep. I think it was Ronnie Harrison's read. He misread it, and he was wide open. Um, not playing the ball well. A lot of I, I forgot to put down the penalties. That was that was a bad. I mean, a lot of pass interference penalties. Um, they picked on Averett a little bit, um, and they you know a lot of holding. Uh, Humphreys, two of the touchdowns scored were right on Humphreys in the end zone. Uh, yeah. So interestingly enough, one of the things that they did this week, and you got to think back, Mink still had three interceptions in this game. Him. Marlon Humphrey and Eddie Jackson, they call a defensive backs only meeting after practice Monday. You know when you remember last year when the team called the meeting? Yeah. This is very similar. This is de- defensive backs only. They had a whole meeting. You know, what can we do better? What, what's going on? This is 
again by the same guy that had three interceptions. He goes, he tells the media, um, "Well, I wasn't perfect. I, yeah, I had three picks, and sure, the accolades are fine, but I also gave up plays too." We cut the, well, good for him because you go back and watch the game, and he wasn't perfect. He wasn't. He had highlight plays, and he had some plays where he gave up highlights. Yeah, yeah. He good did. to see a team doing that. Good to see that kind of hunger uh, that we saw. You know, we saw that from last year's team. I didn't well, see, you saw I didn't it in see 2009, the 2010 too. team calling together any meetings. No, the 2009 team did. Yes. A- after their near loss to, I believe, Tennessee that year. Um, that would have been the only near loss. It was either that or South Carolina that year, but they called a team they meeting. They the schedule there. Yeah. Um, and just sort of said, hey, we got to whip it into gear, or else we're not going to win a championship, and then they went and did. Um, so that's, that's something that's promising to look at. I... Uh, the Jacobs and Stewart fumbles, I don't want to put Joshua Jacobs in that stat that I have about Yeldon and Ingram. No, no, no. But, but I, you know, we did harp on but the offense it, starting off so quickly, and then he breaks off this long, impressive run that had me, you know, my eyes humongous when I saw him do it. And then two plays later, he's on his way into score and isn't securing the ball very well. It just was, I, I hope it's more of a learning situation for him, because he didn't play much after that. Yeah. Yeah. He only uh, three, actually only had three carries in the game. He was he was injured after that. Oh, that's that. right. Yeah, he did get hurt. Um, it, it sounds like it's okay. Reuben Foster is the one that concerns me there. What are you hearing about Reuben Foster's injury? They were held out of practice Monday. Him and um, him and who else? Who else was? But I think they should be good to go. From I don't know the the I don't know that I know for sure at this point. Um, we'll hear tomorrow. I think Saban should talk to the press again tomorrow. But this is Tuesday, by the way, that we're sitting here doing this. Um, so we'll hear more tomorrow on Wednesday. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I'm Ruben Foster is a key part of that defense, and I think we don't really realize it until he goes out. Yeah, you're right. He's but a missing you, dude. You look at the pass rush, especially with him in the game, it didn't really suffer too bad without him. I mean, Tim Williams was in the backfield every other play. Everybody was. We had we, he had 400 yards passing, but we also had Allen. I mean, he's a good quarterback. We saw how good and tough he is. He's he's chip off the old block from his brother, and he's 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 definitely going to be good for them for for a few seasons here, and and should you know upset some teams here in the SEC over the next couple seasons. He's a good quarterback, and we had him running around. I think yeah. we had six seven sacks on the day. Yeah, seven hacks, sacks. I think I saw 13 hurries, um, which is just outstanding. Outstanding. Oh, by um, the way, we we glossed over this. Who won the um? Who won the who won the defensive scoring bet here? You did. Where, where the props? You did. did. Yep. yep. Yeah, you did great. Thank you, you did great. I I know it's sort of you said a law of averages. It's a law of averages for me too. Uh, that's a very uh, sort of statistical anomaly Maybe that a defense would Auburn. score that a defense would score five games in a row. We've scored a non-offensive touchdown. Eight games in a row, if you count special teams. Eleven non-offensive You didn't ask me. You didn't ask me non-offensive. You no, asked no, I'm me just defensive bringing up the stat. I'm bringing up the right. stat, sorry. Right. Speaking of stats, did you know that Alabama right now is on pace to break two records that have stood in the SEC for a long time? Most points scored in a season and, and average points per game. You wouldn't think it by looking at our offensive struggles, but from what our defense... And these, these are both, I think, want to say Spurrier records back in, like, 96. Yes. They're they on would have been with those Florida teams, yeah. That's insane. 
I mean, yeah. our defense and special teams has a lot to do with that. I just thought it was worth mentioning. Somebody at work told me that today. A Florida fan, actually. You, I was surprised he gave us those it. kind of props. But now you've jinxed it. Nah. And, and if it doesn't come true, it's going to be your fault. I'm going to keep wearing my lucky boxers. We'll be fine. We already talked about penning Hurts on the ground a little bit. I know that upset you quite a bit. Quite a bit. I was I was angry. I was fuming, baby. I'm so not a fan Calvin of it, but at the, at the same time, I'd be lying if I said that I haven't seen some of our guys do stuff like that before. Let's talk about Calvin Ridley. I don't want to talk too much about pinning our guy into the. Well, that's my that's my quarterback, man. You don't pin him into the ground. You don't. Anyway, let's talk about Calvin Ridley. Only 14 yards, three catches, and at least one of them was on a bubble screen. No, not the bubble screen, the jet screen that they call a pass. I'm not worried about Calvin Ridley. I'm not either, but I do want to see him be a bigger. I mean, we we have this argument every. Okay, he's doing great. He's when our Darius Stewart's on the field, he has been Hertz's number one target. That's without saying. Yes. I'd like to see Ridley be more involved with when, when he's on the field. And, you know, I guess you can't say it's Ridley's fault, but we'll have to see. You know, next week both guys will be think, too. I think if you go back and watch sort of the film, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that Stewart's a lot better on when Hurts gets out of the pocket or gets in trouble, he makes himself available. Whereas Calvin Ridley's a great route runner. Yeah. But maybe Hurts doesn't read the routes as well. well That's he, just he my opinion. He still struggles quarter by quarter to that, you know, just – Getting that, it, it, and I think his struggles on getting the ball out in time and hesitating a little bit come with uh, confidence in his position. I don't think it's a skills thing. I don't think it's a mental thing. Or I actually, do, sorry, I do think it's a mental thing and not a skills thing. And the, the, you, at quarterback, you just kind of gain faith. You know, you hesitate early on because you're like, well, is the guy really open? You know, he's open the longer you go. AJ McCarron used to do the same thing. He'd hold on the ball a little long, and then you just kind of get more comfortable in your position. You know your guy's open. You, you let that The game loose. that AJ figured that out was the national championship against LSU. It really was. You Good call. Um, so I, and To be honest, I would rather have a quarterback. You know, Blake Barnett would throw it, at least from what they said in practice, would throw it regardless of whether he knew the guy was open. I'd rather have a quarterback that hesitates Blake Barnett and avoids who? the quarter. Oh, yeah, who is that? I don't know that, that avoids person. the turnover than somebody that just lets it loose because he has that much confidence in his arm. Right. Anything else from the Arkansas game you want to get into? Um, we mentioned penalties. Oh, I know you don't like Brett Bielema, but I have to say his halftime interview was amazing. You weren't watching uh, it, but... Didn't see it, yeah. So this yeah, is, it was still at work. This is what happened. Um, somewhere toward the end of the half, and, and actually Arkansas ended up scoring on this drive, but they called a holding call on... Al- on uh, sorry, they called a holding call on Arkansas. Arkansas ends up scoring, but they call a holding call on what, when they went back and looked at it, not a single Alabama fan, Arkansas fan, announcer, or anybody in the stadium agreed with the call. Not a good holding call at all. Right. Um, and I saw the play. And I know so, the play you're talking about. I haven't seen the interview. Bielam is yelling at the refs, and so uh, Holly Rowe asks him coming out of the halftime, you know, I, I, heard, I saw you jawing off to the refs there a little bit. What was that about? And Bielam goes, I just wanted to tell the ref how good of a job he was doing. You know, they're doing a great job out there making all these calls out of nowhere, and um, <laughs> You know, he the ref that I was specifically talking to is someone that normally is supposed to be watching the center and guards, and he went above and beyond and called a holding call on the tackle. So I just wanted to tell him how good of a job he was doing. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of him, but that's pretty funny. He found the loophole on, on criticizing the refs. You can't fine him for saying that. 
Shout out Holly Rowe for getting yourself uh, getting yourself back out there. No wig and, uh, either. No wig. She looks stunning. No wig. She looks strong. Stunning. She's doing that for um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, obviously, and she's not wearing the Absolutely. wig. But it's good to see her out there. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. She's been doing for it a sure. long time. Uh, Top performance. That was my last game. comment from got? the Arkansas game. Let's preview the uh, the Volunteers. This game in Knoxville, three thirty kickoff Eastern Time, two thirty Central Time, your time. Uh, I will actually be back on Central Time watching this with Shannon and Andy, there my parents, Welcome and back their to new the puppy, side. Sadie. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Uh, That's a cute name. Brick, this may be the most anticipated matchup of this rivalry in the last decade. It is, easily. I mean, last year's what? was pretty anticipated, but this year's absolutely is more so. Tennessee loses. We're not going to get into it. We'll get into it on the national podcast later in the week. Loses a somewhat heartbreaker to Texas A&M. Yes, but what's important about that game is the amount of injuries they suffered in that. I mean, every time I looked up, a ton up, of injuries, especially injured. on both defensive and offensive lines. Yes, lost Jalen Hurd. Well, he he Huge actually loss. didn't play in that game. Hurd never he still played. wasn't. That's what I mean. Yeah. And it's still a huge loss. They've lost defense, like you said. They've lost defensive linemen, offensive linemen, and so they came in without Hurd, and they've lost even more. Attrition's hit them even harder since then. I think that the wind has been knocked out of Tennessee's sails a little bit. A little bit. I'm not going to say that they're going to come out and lay an egg against Alabama because I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't think it will be the contest it would have been had they won on Saturday. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you there. Well, we'll see. You know, it's just going to be how how we haven't really seen, or at least from my memory, how does Butch Jones get his team to respond to a game like that? How did they respond after o- Oklahoma last year? While we do that, I'm going to look up the schedule and see who their next game after Oklahoma was last year. Um, yeah, you know that that I, might be a, that might be a good telltale how they might be able to respond to this. Because remember that was they were highly anticipated then. They were a trendy pick to win the East, and you know most people picked them to beat Oklahoma, and then they lost very similar to how they lost to A&M. So I'm looking that up right now. Really, Jeremy Johnson to that one, didn't they? Um, yeah, I you know I think that when we go into sort of keys for the game for both teams, I think one of the keys for Tennessee is a mentality standpoint. You can't go into the game thinking about anything other than winning the game, other than executing every single play. You've got to play a near flawless game to beat a oh I'd say a ninety percent healthy Alabama team. You get them at home, which is great, in front of a very rocky crowd. No wordplay intended. Uh, they're going to be loud. The game's on CBS. It's it's a it's the perfect mixture. But you've really got to play a perfect game if you're Tennessee and really limit those mistakes. Those mistakes being interceptions, fumbles, uh, Olay blocks on the offensive line, missed blocks on screen passes. Things like that can't happen against Alabama if you expect to win it. Patrick, I've gone over keys for Tennessee. What about keys for Alabama? Um, before, since I looked it up, I do want to mention it. Since I took all that hard time clicking and typing a couple things. Um, they right, lo- I forgot you were they doing that. Lost to Oklahoma 31-24 overtime, and then this isn't the greatest example because they played Western Carolina the next week. So I'm actually going to look at Florida. They lose to Florida 28-27. Next week they l- turn around lose to Arkansas 24-20. They can't respond that way this year. Uh, keys for Alabama. You Did you do the keys for Alabama or Tennessee? Sorry. I did Tennessee. All right, so keys for Alabama in this game is going to be 
neutralizing a pass rush. Um, they're going to try to get us rattled early. They've been a team that's come out flat every first half of the game, pretty much every game this season. Um, they don't. They're going to try to reverse that trend, get us playing on our heels early. I just I feel like that's the way this game's going to try to go. So they're going to try to get Hurts rattled in Neyland. They're calling that the first big place he's been. They are pretty much um, throwing some shade at Ole Miss for that. But um, it's going to be we're going to be looking at Derek Barnett, their pass rusher, against Cam Robinson, our anchor on the offensive line. Um, we got to give our offensive we got to give our offense time, and we need to be able to play our game. You know what I mean? Play yes. That what we've if seen Alabama the last couple weeks. If Alabama can dictate the pace, that game will be a very, very uh, I won't say easy, but a very manageable game for Alabama. If, if they, they can dictate us, the yeah. pace, if they get us on our heels, we have to start coming back, or they start doing the second half comeback thing that they like to do, and they can get us rattled at any point in those four quarters. And playing not our style, not the ball control that we've been seeing the last couple weeks, they make Jalen Hurts have to throw the ball forty-two times. That's how they beat us. So we need to be able to just play our brand, keep our single vision in, because um, they're going to be coming at us with all the steam. You know, they can't lose again. They have a lot more to lose than we do with losing this game. Uh, we just got to kind of play a little bit more composed than we did when I we agree. played Ole Miss. I agree. Can't get shook up once you get hit in the mouth. Something that Jalen Hurts has already showed us he can do. You say Hurts should be back. I've heard differently. Have you? I've heard that he's still not 100% and he's going to be a game-time decision. Really? Huh. I'm sorry. Well, I work with two uh, Tennessee fans, and, you know, they're just, I guess it might these be... Are, might these be are all thinking. rumors. Yeah. Both your side and mine are rumors. I, I think it's a little bit wishful thinking. I think even if he does play, he's definitely not going to be 100%. Now, the there's not a ton of drop-off. should be available, but that doesn't give you a ton of confidence. That There's not a ton of drop-off between he and Alvin Kamara. I think Kamara's better. I'm sorry. And and I had to I had to confess this to uh, my Tennessee friend at work this week. I've never been super impressed with Jalen Hurd. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I, I there were a couple games. I remember the uh He's gosh, good, don't it, get me wrong. I think it, I think it was that Oklahoma player. game last year. I was very impressed with him. Um I was decently impressed with him last year during our game, but it was so hard to run against that defense. I'm um, much more impressed with what I saw last week from Kamara than I've ever been with Hurd. And like I said, I've seen They're both very Hurd. talented at catching passes out of the backfield. Yeah, they are. Uh, Alvin Kamara, obviously, uh, an Alabama transfer. We've gone over the story between he and LT10 Penny and Derrick Henry. You remember that was about a year ago this week. Yeah. Um, I think that plays into Alvin Kamara's game a little bit this week as well. Uh, that extra motivation that extra effort to play for, you know, his his brother that he lost, um, I, I think is very important to him, just like it was for Derrick Henry last year in Tuscaloosa against Tennessee. So I think that's something that uh, that could play a factor. Uh, moving on to Josh Dobbs. We've, we've talked about Neyland Stadium. we talked about the pass rush. Uh, moving on to Josh Dobbs. I, I don't know what to think about Josh Dobbs anymore. Every time I'm about ready to count him out, he does something not spectacular, but impressive. And then just when he, once you get on board with him, he throws an interception in overtime. To lose the game. It was He's, he's a very frustrating quarterback, but you can't... I guess you can't discount how good he can be. Um, I, don't, I don't put him in the same echelon as I do uh, 
uh, Chad Kelly That's exactly or what I was about to ask you. Johnny Manziel. I put him more as a Bo Wallace type, where he needs a lot of help to look good. Yeah, um, and they got a lot of good skill positions. Malone's a great receiver. They, uh, who, they have whoever caught the hail mary is a good receiver. Um, I here's my thing. The rankings of quarterbacks that have beaten Alabama in the past five years. Ready for this? Okay, let's hear it. I'm going to go... Huh. Cam Newton. Last, la, no, no. No, I'm going last place first. Last first, okay. Steven Garcia. Naturally. Bo Wallace. <sighs> Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight. Yeah, that's a good call. Nick Marshall. Where do you put him in there? Uh, no, I put Nick Marshall, then Trevor Knight, then Chad Kelly, then Cam Newton, then Tim Tebow. Johnny Manziel I put after Chad Kelly wow, below so Tebow. Wow, so you were putting Jordan Jefferson and Jarrett Lee at number one? <laughs> I don't even count them. I forgot that game existed. And honestly, I thought about it and was like, wait, who did start that game? I guess it, I guess the starter was Jarrett Lee, but then we knocked his... Never they, mind. They, they combined um, to beat yeah. us that game. I, I guess... God, but I don't, you know what I'm saying. I don't think of that as a game where I'm like, oh, the quarterback really beat us that game. You know? No, I know. I just assumed I know how stupid that sounds. I, I know how stupid I sound right now, but was, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, they'd be the worst if you're going by, yeah. But Steven Garcia was just a terrible quarterback. There's no other way to put it. He was just bad at football <laughs> and came out like Brett Favre. You think, you think Steven Garcia was better than Jordan Jefferson? I, I 100% do. Oh, good. Get. Oh, good lord. Do you need to go go watch their, like, career lowlights? No, but he, 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 he had good moments looking, you know, when he was throwing the ball to Alshon Jeffrey. You know, Jefferson never had a dynamic pass. And he still well, had good receivers. Re- hold on. With. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Did you just say that? Yeah. Jordan Jefferson had no one to pass to. No, no, I was saying he never had those dynamic numbers. He had people to pass oh, to. Got you, got you. I, I thought you were saying that he didn't have a receiver. No, he I had was wonderful like, receivers. He had one awesome receivers. That's that's kind of my point, is he had good receivers. So did Garcia at one point, throwing to Jeffrey. At least they produced a little bit. Um, I still think Steve Garcia this is, this is just this terrible. This is a pointless argument. We, we, we we've, got, we've gone off the rails on a crazy change. All right. You've got bold predictions on here. What's your bold prediction from this game? I think Alabama rushes for over 250 yards. Woo! I would like it. Uh, my bold prediction of this game, Alabama goes in and blows them out. <laughs> Go Shuts the up old... the crowd. Goes up 17 nothing after the first quarter. Goes into halftime up 24-7. Comes out the third quarter, gives up a touchdown. Scores, I don't know. 20 more points. 24-7 is a trigger score for us Alabama fans. Especially when you're talking about halftime. A little bit. <laughs> anyway, so you're going with the old Justin Kiefer strategy. I'm going to mention the meteorologist I told you about and why people should be confident in Alabama's victory this weekend. This dude's money. He's a meteorologist at the station I work at. He's an FSU grad, so I always ask him about the FSU game, and he has been 100% spot on for every FSU game this year. Um, picked them beating Ole Miss. I asked him about Louisville. He said, they're going to get blown out by Louisville. We don't have a secondary. We're going to get blown out. I go, are you sure? Nobody's predicting a blowout. Some people are saying Louisville might win close. Blowout, not going to be close. He was right. Um, North Carolina, he goes, yeah, I I just don't see it. Trubisky's a very good quarterback, and 
Honestly, I think we're, we're going to sleepwalk through this game. Boom. Nailed it. I asked him about Miami. He goes, well, everybody's picking a Miami win now, now that Miami's number 10, but I think they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder. The defense is going to tighten up, and I don't believe in Kaya. Boom. He was exactly right. So I asked him about Alabama today. He goes, well, if Tennessee was healthy, I might say it's a little bit closer, but honestly, I think Alabama wins by 30. Jeez. I'm going 42-21. It's the same score I went with with Arkansas. I came close. I like the feel of it. 31-20. Okay. Feels like a feels like a I don't I guess I'm well, me putting a 20 there. That's me assuming that they're going to have less points than Arkansas had. But I, yeah. do, I think our defense tightens up. I think this doesn't turn into a shootout kind of game until later on in the second half. So, yeah, I'm going to go 31-20. I like it. I like it. Uh, you've got uh, on here, I, I want to talk about, just right quick, what is going to be the toughest game? We look back on this season and say, man, that was the toughest game. I think you've got three options. This Tennessee game, mm-hmm. Texas A&M, mm-hmm. and Ole Miss. And Ole Miss. Out of those three games, stop. Out of those three games, at the end of the season, what game do you think is going to be the one that we look back and say, man, that was a really, really tough game? I think I still think it's going to be Ole Miss. Just being there, being in that game, the monkey on the back. Um, you know, before the game, everybody was saying, before that Ole Miss game, because, you know, all the players have to say, it's just like every other game. I know we've beaten them twice, but I could just kind of tell being in that atmosphere that it did really mean something to the team that they hadn't beaten them in two years. And there was this monkey on their back. I think that's going to yeah. end up being our toughest game. You know, we might still uh, lose one, but and then I'd have to say that game. But I'm not predicting a loss at this point. Yeah, I'm. I I'm going to say Texas A&M just because they get a week off before they play Alabama, and that's usually obviously not very good. I wonder uh, how long it'll take us doing this podcast because you and I have never predicted an Alabama loss. You realize that we've never had to. I, yeah, I don't know of a reason why we would. At some point, you know, some point. I'm just wondering how many years down the road that will take. You know, Saban will it take until Saban retires? Yes. Um, probably. The Cats are now playing in the dirty dog crate, which is wonderful. Let's move on to some unsung players on the team so far this year. Anthony Averett. I like it. I like it. I was, you know, I thought of him. He got picked on a lot during the Arkansas game. Got picked on a lot during the Ole Miss game. Came back and really showed a lot of heart in those games. I like it. I, I think he might be in that, you know, we talk about the like that brotherhood of running backs that's gone through. I think we're starting to see a trend with defensive backs. Mm-hmm. We're going we're going Cyrus Jones. We're going Eddie Jackson. Anthony Averitt, maybe? I mean, we've seen good receivers have good catches on him. We've seen good quarterbacks complete passes on him like any good quarterback should. I mean, but remember. He's not people... Deion Blue bad. People, oh god! He's not freshman season D. Milliner bad. Uh, people used to talk about. Uh, he's, he's not, not so- early season Cyrus Jones bad. He's not. He's not sophomore John Fulton bad. Oof. Um, sophomore Nick Perry bad. Forgot those uh, ones. Those two really stepped it up though. Freshman Eddie Jackson. Uh, Sorry, sophomore Eddie Jackson. That's what I'm. That's what I was about to say. Is people forget that Cyrus Jones and Eddie Jackson were garbage. At one time, they were garbage. Cyrus Jones good. was an he's, undersized wide good. receiver. Not great, but he's been good, and that's what you've got to ask my for two, from your nickel corner. My two, I'm going offense. Can you guess who? 
I'm going to go Jonah Williams. No. Dang. That was my offensive choice. Bradley Bozeman and Ross Pierschbacher. He's still going O-line. I love it. You know why? Because no, think me. about the last time their names were called on the broadcast. Yeah, they haven't I been can. the ones. What are the? Well, yeah, they haven't been the ones doing all the holding for sure. That's been uh, that actually has been the tackles. Yeah, yeah. Cam Robinson, Jonah Williams, really carrying the load on that one. But anytime there's an offensive lineman, you don't hear their name very much. They're doing something right. I know those guys have had to step into some huge shoes, and I think they've done an excellent job, and they're not getting the credit for it. So the number one podcast in the world is giving it to them. Update on the kittens. They are actually in the dog crate because they are now eating the dog food. We got to get you a sound booth or something. Or get rid of the cats. <laughs> no, I mean, you can't hear them. That's just kind of what they're doing. I kind of just watch them. They're fun. Um, cats are useless. So, any more unsung players? How about, I'm going to pick a year. I'm going to pick a year. Because you've been watching Alabama football for a long time. And it's not going to be a year that you're expecting me to pick. I'm going to go 2006, six, the last time that Tennessee beat Alabama. If you could take any player from that 2006 team and put them on this year's team, who would you choose? Let me look at a roster. Let me look at a roster. I'll be able to tell you this. this what about you? Do- we're going off the dock. I didn't, I, I'd have to go DJ Hall because that's the only name I, I wish, can remember. <laughs> I wish you would have put me on. I wish you would put this on the docket so I could have looked at a roster before you did this. It's just kind of um, in my head. We're only at 32 minutes here, and I, I wanted to it. shoot for around 40. I love it. Uh, oof. All right, I'm, I'm looking at this. Is this bringing back some oh, memories? Man. Maybe Eric Anders oh. would be fun? Javier Arenas was on that team? Nah, Javier Arenas hadn't really sharpened his craft yet. Um, Simeon Castile was good, right? No, Simeon Castile wasn't. I, You know, I would go Leron McClain. Oh, that's a good one. Good blocking halfback. I, I think that's what this team needs. Um, do you would you even get the joke if I told you the name Chris Caps? No, I wouldn't. All right, story time to end off the podcast. You ready for this? Sure. Alabama plays Houston in the ah, uh, believe it was their 2000. It was Saban's first year, so it was the 2007 homecoming game. Uh, Chris Caps is one of, if not the worst football player in Alabama history. <laughs> the guy was holding almost every single play. And so my brother and I are sitting there. There's this drunk guy a couple rows up. Uh, just uh, precursor warning, this story's about to get a little graphic. And this guy is drunk, just completely wasted. And Chris Caps went out with an injury about five minutes before all this started happening. Then uh, <laughs> Chris Caps comes back into the game. Drunk guy stands up very calmly. Everyone else is quiet, just yells, Oh, shit! Chris Caps is back in! <laughs> Runs on the field, plays a couple downs. It's like a third and 12 because it's 2007 Alabama. Why wouldn't it be a third and 12? Uh, drop back to pass, pump fake, throws it downfield. Uh, huge gain. Huge gain. I think it was like 23, 24 yards. And there's a flag down by the line of scrimmage. Find out it was just an offsides penalty. But the guy behind us, they say, offsides, and he just stands up without even missing a beat and just goes, damn it, Chris Caps, damn it! And it was perfect. Chris Caps did nothing wrong on the play, and it was the funniest thing in the world. 
It was hilarious. And that's why I'll always, I was just looking at the roster and saw that name and just thought, oh, God. Are you oh, familiar with the Twitter page 2003 Bama fan? Oh, gosh, I had to unfollow it because it's too many painful memories. They haven't tweeted in a while, but if you, it's fun to look at at this point. Uh, if you are listening, you haven't looked at them. 2003 Bama fan, I'll read a couple other tweets. This one uh, was about during the Heisman ceremony last year. I'm glad we don't have a Heisman winner. Hope we never win one, honestly. Don't even have room for it in the trophy case. <laughs> I guess we'll oh. probably never have another wide receiver quite like Sam Collins. Um, let's oh, see. God. We used to think that Keith Brown was a great wide receiver. I mean, I look back at this. I'm looking at the 2003 roster right now. So pumped for the season, y'all. South Florida, you're about to become Coach Shula's <laughs> first victim. First of many. <laughs> Number 70 outside tackle, Wesley Britt. Oh, oh, one of my favorite Alabama players of all time. <laughs> Wide receiver number five, Brandon Brooks. Nope, doesn't. I think he muffed. Bell. I think he muffed six punts and punts in a row, and I'm not kidding. Uh oh. It was awful. So if I'm looking at this 2006 roster we just looked up, the name that sticks out to me that I think I would like would be Rashad Johnson. That's I remember him actually. Of course, I he remember was, him. It, it was great. too early. That was way too early for. That was at the very beginning of his career. I guess he hadn't hit his stride either yet. Shod Shod Williams. Do you know the name Shod Williams? I do know that name. He was on that 2003 team. That was back when to start out every every year, Alabama would go kick the crap out of Hawaii to start off the season. Having like two or three seasons in a row is ridiculous. I could totally see Jamarcus Russell signing with Bama today. Hashtag NSD. Okay, let's just let's end this podcast before you bring up any more painful <laughs> memories. Good. You can find us. I you can find Nick us Saban. on Facebook. Good lord, you can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P A T apostrophe S Interference. On Twitter at P I underscore Podcast. On our website at patsinterference.com. You can also listen to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, if you go to the University of Alabama and you get your diploma, if you flip it over on the back. Uh, they actually have a little uh, play pause feature now, kind of yeah. like the Hallmark birthday cards. When you open them up, they start screaming at you. It's that, but it's whatever the latest episode of the podcast is. It's really neat. So go get your diploma. Go get your degree. Uh, this has always been a huge dream for us. We can't do this without you. Thank you very much for listening. Everybody, good luck. Stay safe watching the Tennessee game. And last but not least, roll, roll tide. tide.